Please be seated. Thank you, John. And I um, want to welcome our youth youth group who's here with us. And um, they're the cool ones. Um, so you'll see. They made us a lot cooler by being here. And so we're glad to worship together um, with them. And, uh, you know, this week, as uh, John mentioned, um, our, one of our brothers passed away last Sunday. And it was kind of a very unexpected thing that happened to our brother Kenny. And so... Um, I know a lot of you are very, um, were close to him, were saddened by his passing, and um, you know, he was just, uh, just a, such a good guy at church doing so much, and so I know that was um, what prompted even more of a, kind of a, a sadness, if we could say, um, just because of who he was, and uh, so, um, yeah, he, he had some internal bleeding in his, um, um, I think in his stomach it was an ulcer and it, it developed and he didn't, um, wasn't, you know, didn't feel bad enough to go to the hospital till it was too late. And so he passed away last Sunday at like 3 p.m. at the hospital. And um, yeah, I had a chance to talk to his parents and his, his younger brother, Andy, and they um, said that they were going to, you know, he said he was going to come to church. He hasn't been going to church and so um, they're going to come, but... Uh, yeah, you know, I know a lot of you are going to miss him. I'm going to miss him. And I was really saddened all week thinking about that. And uh, so um, I want to ask that you just spend some time in prayer for his family, um, his parents, um, as you would imagine how difficult it is for them and for his brother and their close friends and really for our church as well. And so I thought we could just spend the moment in prayer and uh, we're going to pray for them. And so if we could bow our heads. Uh, Heavenly Father, we know that um, our dear brother Kenny is with you in your presence. And God, though we often read and talk about it, God, that still um, is surreal to us. And uh, yet we know that's where he's at. And so we're grateful. We're grateful for his faith. We're grateful that he knew you as his Savior. And we're grateful for his life. And uh, the faith that was demonstrated to all his good works. And uh, so, God, we are grateful. And um, we pray for his parents, um, that you would comfort them. And we pray for his brother and his close friends and their um, other family members and friends here. That you would comfort them through the knowledge of hope in you. So we lift them up to you, God. And uh, we thank you that death and the grave is defeated on the cross, and we're reminded of that today. And we want to live in a sober manner today, reminded of that truth, God. And uh, would you remind us again here, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, yes, as John had mentioned, if um, you would like to attend, uh, his funeral service will be at, on Thursday in Buena Park at 5.30 p.m. Today, we're going to be talking about walking with God, what that looks like. And um, one of the most practical ways we could walk with God is in the way we speak to someone else. Um, we talk all the time. We talk without thinking. We, we say things without planning often. And the moment we wake up till we go to bed, we talk. You know, tens of thousands of words. And we write it and we put it up on how we feel and what we think. And we're going to um, talk about that. And... Um, and we have an opportunity to really uh, make a difference. You know, Gary Chapman in his book, Love as a Way of Life, uses, uh, he talks about words being bullets or seeds, right? Bullets that could hurt people or seeds that plant um, hope and bear fruit. And so 
Um, I saw an example of this online, and I wanted to share this story with you. There's a little uh, video clip. Check this out. An inspiring story out of Kenosha. A student being bullied at a junior high school basketball game caught the attention of the basketball players. And those players walked off the court to defend her. Michelle Fiore reports from Kenosha. Well, this is where it all happened for Desiree Andrews. As she was being bullied from these stands, a couple of boys on the basketball team said, enough's enough. And that's where this bullying situation turned her life around. Desiree Andrews no longer walks to class alone. Students have been drawn to her after a situation that could have taken away this pretty smile. The kids in the audience were picking on D, so we all stepped forward. Andrews has Down syndrome. These three boys were in the middle of a game when they heard something upsetting directed at one of their cheerleaders, a girl who dances to her own beat. So when I heard that, they're talking about her like it kind of like made me mad. Basketball players stepped to action, walked off the court, and asked the bully to stop. It's not fair when other people get treated wrong because we're all the same. We're all created the same. God made us the same way. Dee and the boys are now eighth graders and last night played their last game in the gymnasium that they have affectionately dedicated to their friend. Are they calling it something special? Yeah. What is it? Dee's house. Dee's house? Yeah. How does that make you feel? Good. The athletic director tells us the name has stuck. He's planning to make a banner officially calling the gym Dee's House. What did your family think? I think they're sweet, kind, and awesome, and amazing. Sweet, awesome, kind, and amazing? Yeah. Well, Desiree's next step's high school. As for her future, she says she wants to be famous. We think she's already famous. In Kenosha, Michelle Fiore, today's TMJ4. She's pretty famous already. It's Dee's house. She is. I loved how those young men stepped up. Yeah, great job. Of what, a, what a great story. And I like the story because it involved young people. And often we think, um, what influence can I have with my words? And there is these three young men that changed um, that girl's life. And, uh, man, I wish I could have seen it in person. Them going up on the stands and calling out the guy that was making fun of this girl with Down syndrome, calling him out and just shutting them up, you know, and um, just courage. And this is the right thing to do. Don't we need more people like this? And this is an example we see in junior high, and we've all um, are in junior high or we've been to junior high, and it's just a tough, cruel few years, right? And you just are trying to get through that, and it's difficult. And it's in the midst of that, even that a young person, a 13-year-old, a 12-year-old could make a difference. I think it's fascinating. Does it change her life? Does it change uh, other people's perceptions? Are they ever going to say anything when the whole basketball team is going to confront them? No, they're not going to say anything. And so it has changed a great deal. And what we learned today is that the words we speak every day make an impact. Um, you know, the Bible says things like this, you know, in Proverbs 18:21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And this is really a scary truth. If you look at that verse, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I have, that means we all have, regardless of our age, regardless if we're in junior high or whether we're a parent, I have the power of death and life, of bullets and seeds. I could change people, I could give them a future, or I could really destroy someone. And it is very important um, you know, communication is interesting. And now we have not just verbal communication, uh, we have social media, and it's a whole nother beast that we have there. 
But you think about this communication that we have. It's permanent. It's instant. The moment we say it, they hear it. The moment we write it, someone reads it. And it's permanent. Even if you try to delete it, someone could dig it up. Right? It's constant. There is always communication going on. And it is impactful. It changes people. It's powerful. And we have to understand that truth. You know, the world we live in, and, and Paul Tripp talks about this several times in his messages, but he talks about how we are just simple, mundane people that where once we die, um, maybe 10, 20, 30 years after we die, no one will remember us. We're not as significant. And that is true. Um, and, and so the most important events of our life might be summed up in two or three events. Maybe, oh, when I, um, my birth, and maybe, oh, a, a marriage, and then um, maybe I have a kid, or whatever it is, and it's really a few. And what he argues is that our lives then basically is summed up by the mundane, everyday little things that we do. So your Christian life is not so much the once a year thing, the accepting Christ at this time thing, but it, it really is an everyday thing. How you talk, how you think, what you say about others, what you say to others is what your life is defined by. And so when someone thinks of you, it says, what is that person like? It is not defined by your few achievements, but it is defined by how you live every day. And today we want to talk about how we um, communicate. That you have the power, that we have the power to give life or to Put someone to death, and it's very impactful. It's uh, most of us don't think uh, really is it that powerful, and it is, and it, it is so true. I read an article by Rick Riley, who writes often about sports uh, for, in Sports Illustrated, and he talks about John Wooden and how um, this is as he was passed as he passed away, and talks about some of the memories of John Wooden. And how, I think out of 800 players that he had coached, he still knew where 780 of them were and what they were doing. And a lot of them, um, if not most of them, still was going back to him often. And someone like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who scored the most points in, in NBA history, how he taught him the hook shot and, and these things. But it wasn't just so much of the technical basketball things. Uh, it was the seeds that he had planted into these young men's lives at a very uh, moldable age. And so he would teach them things like uh, discipline yourself and others won't need to, right? Uh, never lie, never cheat, never steal. Earn the right to be proud and confident. And he was teaching them these things, and it now um, translated into their rest of their adult lives. And so they would go back to see him often. And he, he made such an impact in this way. You can Google the news about teens being bullied and, and the connection to suicide. And I was looking at some of the stories. And man, it's literally every day of the year, it seems like in America, there is some 12-year-old, some 15-year-old that ends up committing suicide because of the words that are told to them. That they are ugly, they are dumb, they're worthless, and they hear it over and over and over. And so the words have power over death and life. And you may not think it, but you have that power as well. And you might be just a student. You say, well, what power do I have? Well, if you go to your teacher and tell them, man, you know, I really appreciate the way you do this. That was very helpful to me. It'll make that teacher's day. If you go to a parent and say, mom, you know, I really am grateful for all the little things you do. It'll make her, it'll make her cry, right? Um, and moms will cry for, you know, just... Oreos on a piece of paper glued together. Here you go, mom. You know, but they'll still cry over that. And it's impactful. 
And what we hear, and we've all experienced this, I think we've all had people who shot bullets at us in the past and that have scared us, that have frightened us, that have kept us from our dreams. And then we've all had people that have planted seeds of hope in us. You can do this. Hey, keep going. Don't give up. Hey, couple more. Just keep pushing. Hey, we've, we've been there. I mean, this is something small, but I still remember when I was um, single and starting youth ministry. And uh, at the time, I had to wear a shirt and tie. And I remember going to, I think it was like Macy's or something, and buying a necktie. And I had no taste in what a good necktie was, but I knew it was kind of, you know, I spent like 50 bucks and it was a fancy. It said it was silk and I remember buying the necktie. And it had actually, now I think back, it, was, it had a lot of drawings and it was actually kind of um, ugly now. But back then I thought it was nice and I spent money. And I remember wearing it to church. I specifically remember wearing it to church thinking, I got a new tie. And because for guys, what else can we show off? I just got a new tie, right? And I got a new tie. And I remember um, someone there who was actually another pastor who was older said, oh, you know. And I think he was, just, he was just joking with me. But he said, oh, where'd you, oh, Steve, wow. Where'd you, did you get a new tie? Said, yeah, I got a new tie. Where'd you buy it? Uh, Macy's or wherever. He said, can you go buy another one and, uh, for me and burn it? And then he was laughing. And I was laughing. Ah, but inside I was crying, you know. And I was like, you made fun of my tie, you know. And I... And I have thick skin, it doesn't bother me. But you know what? From that moment, I couldn't wear that tie. So it was sitting there. I was like, I should wear it. Who cares what he says? I don't care what he says. Look at his ties, you know? And, uh, but then I was like, I'm not going to wear it. I can't wear it. I can't wear it, right? So I still have it somewhere, right? Um, so now that's a, that's a trivial, it's simple. We've all been there. But imagine when someone says to your life, you are worthless, you're so stupid and you're so ugly. You hear that from someone who has so much power over you because their words are that powerful. It changes the trajectory of a person's life. Teachers, coaches, parents, you know, older brothers and sisters, it changes what the other person hears and their life could be taken off and man, they will just quit. They will believe the truth. They will believe that as truth. And it changes them. This is the power of life and death. Think about this, you know, how we speak to one another, how we speak about one another. You know, think about that. You know, the Proverbs talks about gossip. A gossip separates close friends. Even if I don't say it about him, to him, if I say it about him behind his back, I start believing it. And it separates my friendship. Because words impact us. Even my own words will impact me. And so what we say and how, what we mean by it, um, it's so important. And some of us grew up in homes. Right? Some of us grew up in homes where that's how dad talked. And that's how grandpa talked to dad. And maybe it was in a weird way, their way of just communication. And it was just bullets after bullets. That's dumb. That's stupid. Give up. Loser. And you keep hearing that and you keep talking about and you start repeating those words and you're hearing this today. Say, yeah, I need to change this. How do I change this? Right? Um, the Bible tells us that this is not who we are. You know, chapter um, 5, verse 4 in Ephesians, right? Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude jokes, joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. It's interesting. There's a phrase there. It's out of place. Um, that's not who you are. That, it doesn't belong here. And sometimes people say, hey, you know, hey, don't say that at church. You know, you hear that phrase. I hear that a bunch of times. Hey, don't, don't lie at church and don't do this at church. Um, we kind of think, oh boy, that's a special place. 
and not that it, it is sacred or anything different, uh, but really the idea is, hey, if you're a Christian, come on, like it, it's not who you really are. And I remember, you know, when I used to drop my um, girls off at school, um, when I used to drop Chris off at school, there's one um, uh, parent that would drop her son off. And I think he was the youngest out of like five kids. So the mom really loved the son. And um, she would, and it's kind of interesting because I would watch and she would hug before. It was like she was letting him go to the army or something. She would hug him every morning and kiss him in front of the big circle, in front of everyone. And I used to think, and I might have told my, my family, I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to ruin that poor boy's life. You know, like she just needs to let him just go, right? And she would hold and, oh, my baby, oh, no, yeah, I'm letting you go into the world, you know, whatever. And I was like, how is he going to now survive after all his friends seeing that? And now when I see them at junior high, it doesn't happen publicly. I, I bet it happens privately, right? But I bet the boy's like, mom, you know, back off. Like, you know, don't, don't do this in public. When we go from elementary to junior high, junior high to high school, high school to college, things change. Our lives change. When we come to faith in Christ as a Christian, it's not trying to impress someone out there, but I'm different. It's out of place. It's out of character. It's not who I am. And you hear this often. Hey, you shouldn't say that. You know? you're, you're a teacher. You shouldn't behave that way. You're a parent. You can't talk like that. You're an adult. Hey, hey, act and talk like an adult. And you hear that often. It's out of place as a Christian to speak in this manner. Um, and here it talks about it being an opportunity that every day we talk, is an, it's an opportunity to go and plant seeds or to really shoot someone down. Verse 15 of our text, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Making the best use of the time or the opportunity, the NIV says, the opportunity. This day won't come up again. The people you are talking to will not be around for you at this time, you know, next year. Uh, you may not have the same group of people at your work. It's an opportunity. And every day is an opportunity. To go and speak uh, into someone's life. Now, what changes the life? Now, this is not um, about us saying, hey, you know, uh, being the verbal police, bad, that's bad. You know, you shouldn't say that word. You know, what if I make up a word that sounds like that word and I replace it? Can I say it then? No, that's bad because I said it's bad. It's not so much about nitpicking about that. But it's saying what makes us change the way we talk about others and treat it. It's not so much the vocabulary we're, we're trying to police, but it's like, what's going to change that? And there's three parts to this, right? Number one is it's a person who's controlled by the spirit. And so this is not so much a how to, how not to, but this is really a definition of how, does, how, do we, how are we changed? How do we change our vocabulary? How do I change the way I talk about people? Um, how do I change myself if, if I am insecure with people? It's being controlled by God the Holy Spirit. Verse 18. Do not get drunk with wine, for that, that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Here Paul contrasts the two. Right? The example he uses is this, don't get drunk with wine. All right? And why? He wants to contrast the idea. Uh, this isn't a big message on what you could drink or what you can't. Or, no, this is really a contrasting of the idea from that. So the person who is drunk, 
The person who is drunk is now out of control. They're controlled by the drink. And versus someone who is filled with the Spirit is now out of control. They're controlled by God, the Holy Spirit. God controls them. God dictates how they're going to live. God dictates how they're going to speak. And if you've ever spoken with someone uh, when they are drunk, and um, sometimes they say things that they never meant. They say things that they never um, consciously would have said. My first encounter with, person, with a person who was completely drunk, I remember I was a freshman in, at college, and I went to a birthday party, and there was a guy that I kind of knew, just more of an acquaintance. You know, we would pass by each other in the school, and we'd just kind of nod, you know, the guy nod. So, you know, so, you know, there was no handshake. No, it wasn't, we weren't that close. We weren't a handshake or fake hug kind of thing. It was just a, just nod and stuff. Uh, that was about it. We played basketball or something. And I remember seeing him at a party. Comes up to me. And I didn't even realize he was drunk, but he comes up to me. And he's like, Steve, man, dude, you're my brother, man. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, I was like really flattered at the time. I was like, Wow, yeah, oh, shoot, you know, yeah, yeah, you, you too. And he was like, he you know, had his arm around my neck, he's like, and then he, he literally told me, dude, I love you, bro. And I was really conflicted, I was like, shoot, am I supposed to say the same thing? I don't know if, I was like, those are heavy, big words. I was like, oh, yeah, I, uh, I didn't know. This is what happens, and I remember the next Monday comes around at school, I see him, and he just walks by, just, up, you know, that was it. And I was like, I thought you loved me, man. You just give me a head nod. Um, and we're going to say things like this. The idea here, it affects, it controls you. Let God, the Holy Spirit, control your life. In your own power, in your own effort, your own control, you can't do it. The religious people have tried. The Pharisees have tried. They said, I'm going to just do it by my own strength. And they can't. Controlled by the Spirit. The second thing that helps us in the way we speak is a change of the heart. What is inside of our heart comes out into our words. Verse 19, it says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. The phrase I want to highlight is with your heart. So this is, am I just supposed to sing and singing cheers me up so I should sing because it cheers me up? Um, on the outside, no, it's, it's about a change in the heart, making melody to the Lord with your heart. So it doesn't matter what you sound like on the outside, how you sound when others listen to you, but it's the matter of the heart. And so when we gather corporately on Sunday and you sit next to someone here that you may not know so well and we're singing these songs and we're hearing these words and we're, we're now in a corporate worship setting, we're here singing these things together. We want it to come, what, from the heart. You know, the worship team before each service, they'll gather over here in their little prayer circle and they pray. And often the prayer is God is not about the, the performance. God is not about the outside. Help us to worship with our heart. Help us to have a right heart um, and how important that is. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 15, 18, for example, uh, what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. What, so what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. He's telling the, the religious leaders, it's not about the external, because they were arguing, am I allowed to eat this? This is ceremonially clean or unclean? Am I allowed to do this? 
He says, it's not, it's not what goes inside of your mouth. It's where the words come from. It's the heart. God is looking at the heart. And so how we change is not by just saying, okay, let me fake it for a while. Let me cover up for a while. Let me learn my Christian lingo for a while. No, it's a, it's a change of heart. It's a change of what is on the inside. And one of the things that we do is we sing. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. said this, and I quote him. Occasionally in life, there are those moments of unutterable fulfillment, which cannot be completely explained by those symbols called words. Their meanings can only be articulated by the inaudible language of the heart. Sometimes we we don't have words for that. And it comes out from our heart. It's something in our heart. It's something so good. We want to sing it. And we want to sing it over and over because words are not good enough, so I have to express it in some kind of a song. But it's a matter of the heart. And what that leads to is thanksgiving. Right? It says here in verse 20, giving thanks always for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we have we got to be controlled by the Spirit. We uh, have a change of heart, and we, that leads to thanksgiving. When you are giving thanks to someone, you, you cannot complain to them at the same time. Uh, when, you are giving, when you are a grateful person, you are not complaining and whining about the things that you already have. No, you're already grateful. Right? Um, Leon Morris, in his commentary of Ephesians, writes about this whole idea about giving thanks. He said, being a Christian means being the recipient of many, many blessings. We can never earn our salvation or merit a heavenly reward for service. Yet we daily receive a multitude of blessings. And these, Paul is saying, should occasion a multitude should occasion a multitude of thanksgivings. The continuing attitude of the believer should be one of thanksgiving, not one of persistent complaint. And instead of saying, you can't have both. And it leads to thanksgiving in this way. You know, I remember after I graduated, right after I graduated high school, um, uh, you know, we went to a church camp and uh, there was a group of us that said, oh, you know, we need to stop cursing. Uh, I had a foul mouth. Um, they had a foul mouth. So we said, let's help each other, but have a little fun with it. And so we would play a game that anytime you curse, everyone gets to punch you. And you know, guys were just kind of subhuman. You know, we like doing things like that. We used to play like, all right, let's have a punching game. You hit me, I hit you. And it was like kind of fun. We played knuckles. You ever play knuckles growing up? We just hit each other on the knuckles and then to see who's like greater. You know, who's, uh, but we would hit each other. And so it was like someone would say something and they would curse. And then we would, all right, they cursed. And so we'd go and punch them. And then, you know, and then I remember, you know, I would curse and they would punch me and then I'd get cut off guard, so I'd curse again and they punch me again. And it was just really exciting to, for that to happen. And um, finally, one guy said, okay, no more of this game. It's not working, right? No more, no more, you know, and he was the one taking most of the punches. No more, no more. I, I can't do this. Did it work? Um, temporarily. And really, when, when we sit here and say, oh, okay, we got to watch my language, I got to watch my language, is this a teacher or a policeman saying, no, you got to watch? No, this is something we, we really, can we control this? No, we can't. And so our problem lies in that we can, and it, the solution comes from Christ. And so when we hear the gospel again, that he died for me, he bought me, he, he owns me, he gives me everything I have, it leads to now gratitude and the singing of songs in our hearts, and being controlled by him. It's knowing that I am changed from the inside out, 
And that does not come from me being trying to be a good boy, trying to be a good girl, trying to do these. No, no, no. It's accepting what Christ has done for me, submitting to what he's done for me day in and day out, accepting the gospel message, letting that now fill our hearts, singing songs about what he's done for me, and then it comes out. We have, you all have, the power of life and death. And it's not because you own a gun or a knife or, no, you have the power of life and death and the words that you speak. I want to challenge us to take in the message of the gospel into our heart and let the fruit of that come out in our speech. Man, plant seeds of encouragement and of hope. Don't tear down someone. Don't gossip about someone. Don't drag someone's reputation in them. Don't slander. But man, plant seeds of hope. And you parents, moms and dads, the way you speak to your children, continue to fill them with hope. Husbands and wives that are here, the way you speak to the one that is now your own flesh. Don't call names and don't say things behind their backs about them. No, you encourage them. When you get together in the church, and when we sit here, and if you have the opportunity to speak to someone, and you tell them, man, I'm so glad you're here. How are you doing? You're going to make it. Because life is tough. And we don't know, and we see it real life. We don't know when we're going to lose someone. And this might be their last time, man, that I'm going to see someone. And could we go up and shake someone's hands? Man, I'm just grateful for you. I thank God for you. You know, keep going in what you're doing, man. And, and you know, keep using what God has given to you. See what that does. Don't think that you don't have that power. Because God has given that to us. He's the one who spoke the world, the universe into existence through his words. Jesus Christ is the one who has pronounced forgiveness in his words. And as we confess him, we now have salvation in him because of our own words from our mouth. Let's be a blessing. Let's plant seeds. And let's live in such a way. to Live the will of God. Let's pray. Dear God, uh, we thank you that we have this gift of language, of words. And God, we have always said some regrettable things. We have heard things that have hurt us, and we don't know why. We repeat them often. Um, And God, we come here um, wanting to speak into people's lives uh, encouragement and truth and grace. We want to be filled with that. So I pray for all the brothers here that you would help the brothers to uh, articulate um, just positive thoughts into, into the people in their lives. God, would you watch over them? And for our sisters as well, as they talk and share, God, would you help them to be filled, their conversation to be filled with grace, God. And we as a church, help us, Lord, to be an encouraging place, a place where we build hope into one another. We thank you for what you did for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.